Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. Danny Augustine is a speech-language pathologist who started her private practice and was then able to pay off $52,000 worth of student loans. Danny is a huge advocate of SLPs having more financial stability and security by earning more money and investing in their future. I first got to know Danny in the Start Your Private Practice program, where she joined and took immediate action and started her private practice off with a bang. Now she has a full-time private practice serving children. She earns a great living, sets her own hours, and can choose which clients she wants to see. And she's earning enough to live comfortably while saving and investing enough to work toward the goal that she and her husband have of retiring in their 40s. Yes, you got that right. Danny shares her financial tips and strategies on her Speech Goods Instagram account and on her podcast. But today you'll hear about how you can have more financial security by starting your own private practice. So stay tuned. All right. Hello, everyone. I am live with Danny Augustine of Speech Goods from Instagram. Um, Danny is a speech language pathologist who went through the Start Your Private Practice program and now has an awesome private practice. And she also knows a ton about finances and financial literacy. And she's trying to help SLPs really level up their financial game. So when I wanted to have someone come on to talk about increasing your financial security by seeing private clients, Danny was the guest that I obviously thought of. So I just gave a little bit of background on you, but Danny, can you tell our watchers slash listeners a little bit more about yourself? Yes. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. 
if, if none of y'all have kind of listened to any of Jenna and I's talks before, we can just talk on and on and on about this topic. <laughs> yes. But just as she said, I am one of her, I'm one of her former students. Well, I guess current, I still go in the group all the time and look at things. Um, <laughs> I still go in the group all the time. Um, but yes, honestly, uh, my financial journey started whenever I got out of grad school. I had a mountain of student loan debt. I had $52,000 worth of student loan debt. And I know there's many of you out there who may have twice that amount. Um, and the biggest thing was just, I just felt so burdened by the amount of student loan debt that I had, especially in comparison to the income that I was making as an SLP. I remember coming home, I lived with my best friend uh, for the first year for my CM. And I remember she was actually in optometry school at the time. And I remember coming home and like complaining to her, like, I did everything right. Like I did everything I was supposed to do. Why am I not making the salary that I thought I was going to be making? So that's really what sort of got me on this journey of becoming debt-free, getting rid of my student loans. I paid off my $52,000 in 25 months. And part of that, just see, increasing my income and finding ways to increase my income. I know a lot of times in the financial world, you may hear people talk about decreasing your expenses. And yes, that 100% plays a role in meeting whatever financial goals you have, but there's such a limit to how much you can cut expenses. I mean, we don't want you living in a box under a bridge, right? So at some point you need to look towards increasing your income. And that is really where I feel private practices come into play. I think private practice can come into play First of all, there's no ceiling on your income in private practice, so you can scale your private practice. There's even been uh, on, I do I do have a podcast and on one of the podcast episodes, I actually talked to a financial planner uh, or a financial advisor about how you can use your private practice as part of your retirement plan and you can sell your private practice and help to help fund your retirement. And for me personally, uh, that is not what I'm doing with my private practice. What I'm doing is using my private practice to increase my income. But for me personally, I'm not necessarily scaling, but I'm using it to create more time and flexibility for me to pursue other income streams. And so that's the really cool thing about it is that there's many ways that you can do it. And there's not just one way and you can make it whatever you want. And it can also evolve with you. That's the really cool thing. If you change your mind and decide you do want to expand and you want to scale your private practice and get school contracts or add other disciplines, you can do that. If you look at that and you think, oh my gosh, Danny, you're overwhelming me. Stop talking. You don't have to do any of that. Uh, so that's what I really love about it is there's so much just opportunity and it's not just one kind of opportunity that helps you out just financially. And honestly, and this is something I've talked about too, like my quality of life is just like way the heck up and you really can't even put a price on that as well. Yeah, totally. So like all of the things that you just said, like are amazing, right? And that's, this is why both you and I are so passionate about this because we love SLPs, right? We love our profession. We love our people. And like, we just think that, well, I mean, I'll speak for myself, but I know Danny agrees that SLPs are the best people, right? And I think that we are, we work so hard and, you know, we are deserving of being rewarded for that. Not just, you know, the feel goods in our heart, but like financially as well, because we provide a really critical service for, for people who need it, you know, both, you know, kids and adults and, you know, everybody 
um, in between. One of the things that, you know, I think a lot about is that, you know, people choose our profession, right? SLP is always on that like top 10 list of like, you know, best professions, right? And then, and one of the reasons why I think people like it is because you can always get a good job, like air quotes, right? You can always get a good job. There's always job openings. And I think that that's, you know, true, probably true, right? Um, but the problem is, is that the salary, like we started like a pretty good salary. And that's the other thing. People are like, you know, you can get a good salary. But the problem is that the salary doesn't change a lot, right? The ability to move up that salary ladder comes either like super slow or because you have to like do all these things. So, you know, move up steps or that you just have to wait like 30 years to get to the top of your salary or people get to the top of their salary, like not that long into the profession. Right? So the problem is, is that if your expenses keep going up, which we know that people's do, right? You buy a house, you have kids, you have, you want to take a trip to Disney or whatever. It's like your expenses are going up, but your salary isn't that's a problem. And so there's only so many times you can not, you know, do the latte at Starbucks or something. What you have to start looking for is how to increase your income, not just, you know, pare it down, right? So that's kind of what Danny and I have been talking about too. Yes, yes, 100%. And I mean, like you said, we just, we're such caring people. And I think a discussion really needs to be had about you know, allowing yourself to be prosperous financially, even though you're in a helping profession. Um, I really don't like this narrative of like, oh, well, I don't do it for the money. Or, and I, mean, I think that's a, that's a good thing. Like, that's good that you would do this job for free. Like, that's awesome. But I just think it's really a disservice to us and it's a disservice to our patients to have this attitude that like, because we're in a helping profession, we shouldn't be allowed to want to make money uh, and that we're greedy or bad for that or feeling or like shaming others for wanting to make money from their skills. And I think that, I think that it's harmful to the field as a whole. Something that I spoke about on my stories, who knows when I talk a lot, if you follow me on, on Instagram, I talk a lot, but you know, you know, when we when we do not perceive our services as valuable and valuable not just like oh giving me all the feels but like mon like a monetary value it really messes with the field as a whole and it de it devalues our service um, one thing that I spoke about was this idea of some practitioners like undercharging in some areas like and I know like that can come from a place of like wanting to help and I totally understand that but the issue is if we constantly undercharge and we constantly devalue our services why shouldn't anyone else when an insurance company looks at an area and says okay well we were reimbursing x amount but there's some SLPs over there though they're doing services for half that amount oh great we can charge even less <laughs> yes and and so it's just this really, it's just really delicate dynamic. And honestly, another thing about making like ha making incomes that are, what's the word, congruent with our experience and with our knowledge, it's better for our patients. And I think sometimes people think, they automatically think, oh, like if I charge less, if I make less money, then, you know, I'm helping them out. And, you know, and, and maybe that is helping them in some way. Um, but the problem is, if you are, I'll give you an example. So Medicaid in my area, it's like 
it's like a preposterous amount of money. Like, I don't know the exact amount. It's like $40 for a session. So if I were to accept that in my private practice, I would have to work myself to the bone to be able to pay my bills. Like that is absolutely not sustainable. I would love to be able to serve that population, but it is not sustainable for me. Like I could never afford to pay another therapist based off of $40 a session. I, could, I couldn't even afford to pay myself uh, and have any sort of quality of life. And so it's this balance of like, whenever we are creating incomes that make sense for our skills and the value that we bring, because we do bring a lot of value, it helps us, it helps the field of the whole, but it also helps our patients. I do not see as many patients as I used to each day when I was working for someone else. I kind of cut out the middleman. Now my therapy is so much better. It's a higher quality. My patients are benefiting. Not only am I benefiting from that, but my patients are benefiting from that. Yeah. Well, and look, another part of this equation is too, like, you know, if people are not paying for things themselves, like it's about value too, right? Like you want the people who are coming to see you as a private practice to be invested in what they're, you know, the services and right. So if you're also undercharging, then also people aren't as invested because, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, miss a session or whatever, like, versus if you're paying for something, like you're going to be there, you're not going to miss that session. Right. So that's like another part of it too, is like, you want to be, you know, receiving the income that, you know, your, you know, your experience and your master's degree and all these other kind of things, you know, say that you should be receiving, but you know, on, on the other end, it's good. Um, for the clients to also be, you know, paying the money. One of the things that you said that I wanted to touch on had to do with like the number of sessions that you are doing, you know, a day or whatnot, because that also like, if you're charging a certain amount, that also means that you don't have to do as many visits. Can you talk a little bit about that for anyone who's like, hasn't really thought about that? Talk about how the math kind of works on that. Yes, 100%. So, when you start your own private practice, first of all, you're kind of, you're basically cutting out the middleman, uh, especially when you're starting it on your own. So there's nobody taking anything off the top, like to pay. So like when I get paid, there's nobody taking anything off the top to pay themselves or to pay for a building or anything like that, which by the way, there is nothing wrong with that, by the way. Like there's no, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it just is what it is with the math. Um, so yeah, I mean, I used to see, and on my, my caseload wasn't even that crazy. Um, I know that there's other places that the caseloads are much, much higher than mine was, but in a pediatric private practice, I was seeing like anywhere from like 11 to 15 clients a day. Um, and I was working like eight to six Monday through Thursday and Friday was like a half a day. And yeah, I just, and it was always like the after school sessions that would be really busy. So like you get through the whole day and then bam, at three o'clock, it was like six sessions back to back. And I was just like, oh, I'm so done. <laughs> but now, honestly, I really, the max that I've seen like ever in my private practice in one day was like nine. And that was like max and I never do that anymore. So when I, and that's one thing that I learned, like when I first started, I was really focused on, you know, and you might go through this too, when you start your private practice, like you're focused on filling your schedule, you're building your caseload. Um, but 
once I kind of had a caseload, once I was established, once, you know, I had referral sources and things like that, I was actually kind of able to change my schedule a little bit. And I don't work as late, nearly as late as I used to. So now I'm really doing about, I'd say four to six sessions a day. And I come home for lunch, which is honestly, it's like a weird quality of life that I love that I get to come home for lunch. Like it's the weirdest thing. I think they do it in Europe and it's genius. I get to come home. I get to let my dog out. Um, and I don't have to pack a lunch. Like it's so nice not to have to either meal prep for lunch and like pack them all on Sunday because you don't want to go out to eat for every lunch. Cause it is, it does get expensive. Um, or going out to eat for every lunch and that's expensive. Like I just get to come home. I can eat up my leftovers. I watch my show on Hulu and then I get my happy butt back out there. <laughs> well, I love that. And so what you're talking about too, is like, you know, the quality of life aspect of things. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, you know, what what I talk a lot about is, you know, finances is, you know, one reason why people pursue private practice, but also like that flexibility. Right. And like the freedom to work with the kind of clients that you want to work with and in the way that you want to work with them. Right. I think all of that is is so important. And that's one of the reasons why more SLPs are pursuing private practice, like is because they're just they're tired at work, right? They're starting to feel taken advantage of and just feeling like they're not being cared, like they're spending their entire day caring for others and feeling like they're working as part of this system, whether it's a school system or a hospital system or, you know, whatever, that isn't caring for them in the same way that they're, you know, caring for others, right? And so we're, we're seeing so much burnout. Like it hurts my heart on Sunday nights to go on Instagram. And I feel like every single thing is like Sunday scaries. Who's got the Sunday scaries? Who's And I just, I hate that, right? I hate feeling like that there's people who love their profession, but hate their job because they're not getting what they want, right? So could you share a little bit more about how being in private practice has changed the quality of your life? Yes, I mean, there's, I know you talk about, is it the five Fs or the six Fs? Well, it was, it started with four Fs and now we're up to like, I don't know, eight or nine Fs. (laughs) These are Jenna's favorite F words, by the way, which is not, (laughs) an obscene thing. So real quick that my favorite F words are, and this is why people pursue private practice. So freedom, flexibility, fulfillment, financial independence. And then we added um, family, fun, and future. So if you just got that whole list and for all we know, there's other F words, I don't know, but, but those are the main reasons why SLP is going to private practice. Well, and it's so funny because I was, so when I was writing the ebook, the money guide, the self-employed SLP, I was like trying to remember all of the F's that you had. And I was like, is it five or six? I don't know what I put in there, Jetta. I remember I'll try to go five. <laughs> so if you guys ever, if you guys have the ebook, you can, you can tell me which ones to add. Um, but wait, check out. What was the question? How, oh, like how has private practice increased or improved or changed? Let's just say change. I don't want to bias you here, but changed the quality of your life. Okay. Sorry. I got it. Yes. Um, so there's, I mean, it's pretty much all the S honestly, uh, the flexibility, I just cannot, the the flexibility while being able to make the money that I want to make 
is, I mean, I really just can't put words to it. There's, and this is the amount of opportunity, things that I'm also able to pursue. So the issue, and, and, and y'all tell me if I'm wrong, not that, I don't know if y'all can respond to this, but I feel like we, our jobs are not easy, but they would be a little easier if we were making like $100,000 a year. Like that might make it a little easier. But I think what ends up happening is it's like we give so much to our jobs during the day and then you feel like you're not making that much money. So then you feel like you have to go do something else on top of that to make up for the fact that you're not making the money that you want. Um, I don't feel that way with private practice anymore because my private practice, I'm not overworking myself and seeing kids back to back to back. I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, I've learned, I had to learn to say no, because there's been many times where I, I haven't been able to take kids because my schedule's full. Like the schedule that I wanted, my schedule's full. Um, and then it's just, yeah, like to be able to have the income that I want with the flexibility, it just has opened up so many opportunities for me. I would have never been able to start a podcast or start uh, or like write an ebook or make a course on budgeting while I was working at my other job. Like I would have never been able to do those things. One thing that my husband and I are pursuing right now, we're still saving up for it, but we really want to add rental property to our financial portfolio. So we invest heavily in his, he has a 401k and uh, we each have a Roth IRA and I have a solo 401k since I'm self-employed. Uh, if you have questions about that, shoot me some messages. I'm on Instagram all the time. Uh, and now we want to expand that into getting our first rental property. And all of these things, like these other things that I'm interested in, all these things take time. Like all these things do take time for you to, to learn about. And, you know, I, this is something, I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm about to, we're about to put twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 in something. Like I ain't trying to mess that up, yo. Like, <laughs> um, so just the ability and the time to, pursue that has just been absolutely amazing. And I really think had I not had, had I not had the flexibility, I would honestly, Jenna, I would not have had the mental space to think about anything else. And I almost wonder if that's a little bit of what's happening to some SLPs that are getting burned out. It's like, we give so much to our job and we're so busy. There's just never time to just freaking breathe. And then especially, you know, then you get in the stage of life where like, then, you know, you've got kids. So now you, you give so much at work and then you give so much at home. You got the kids in bed and it's at eight o'clock and you're just like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to dream. I don't want to plan. And the flexibility really just allowed me like a second. Like, that's how I really felt. I felt like, cause I've been working in the field for one, two, like three years. And I just felt like, I just felt like I couldn't see outside of like this SLP bubble and there's so many opportunities within the SLP bubble, but there's also so many opportunities outside of it. And I think a lot of people, you know, you see these Facebook groups about people wanting to leave the field um, and how the field is terrible and look, the field ain't perfect. Okay. We all know that. Like we're going to get over that for a second. Um, but I like this idea that private practice allows me to continue to do work that I love because it is work that I love, but also allows me to do other things. Like I don't want to do speech therapy and think about speech therapy all day long, every day of the week. I don't want to do that. I love it, but I don't want to do that. Like I have other things that interest me. I have other things that I want to do to produce an income. And again, the flexibility for private practice has allowed me to do that. And 
being able to pursue other interests and other passions has significantly inc- significantly increased my increased my quality of life. Uh, it's I mean I, I really just can't explain it. Actually, um, one so I hired my first independent contractor uh, like like six months ago. And this was someone like this person approached me. It wasn't, I wasn't necessarily looking for someone and it ended up working out really well. And I give her a lot of independence. She, it's almost kind of like she has her own private practice without having to deal with all the paperwork and the billing. <laughs> so she gets, she makes her own schedule. It's a, she really loves it. And that was something she was telling me, what, what is it? She told me the other day, she said, Danny, like, I feel like I shouldn't tell anybody else about this because like they're going to be mad or they're going to be <laughs> like, it was just amazing that it was, she, she just was like amazed this idea of like having, having that flexibility. Cause I knew if I was going to hire someone that I wanted to give them that flexibility that I enjoyed and make sure that I was able to give that to them in whatever position they had. Um, and yeah, that was something that she said. She was like, like, I feel like this is a secret that no one's supposed to know about. This is all. She was like, I felt sick this morning. And I just canceled my clients. I was like, yeah. And like her son was sick and she just canceled her clients. And she like, and she was, I was like, yeah, just cancel them. Like, you don't have to ask me. <laughs> well, isn't that awesome for you to now be able to be like an employer and mm-hmm. give someone else that flexibility? Like, that's awesome. And like listeners, like Danny is taking a lunch break. How many of you get like a legit lunch break? That you can like, you know, go home, walk your dog, walk, eat a healthy lunch or whatever you want to eat for lunch. Like watch a show on Hulu. Like Golden Girls. <laughs> Golden Girls. Oh, I love it. Okay, cool. So it's like you just people just don't have that, right? People are like wolfing down like a granola bar, like on their way to and from the bathroom while they're walking to like another session, right? So that's like part of that, you know, huge quality of life thing. And I think that's why more SLPs again are choosing private practice, especially as we're like kind of coming out of COVID and just what you said, like people are just over it, right? People are tired. They're burned out. They've been feeling taken advantage of, and they like, you know, find out about this private practice thing. And like, it's not a secret. Like this is one of the reasons why Danny and I talk about it so much is because it has been kind of hush hush in the past. And also people think that you need to have a brick and mortar and that you need to save up all this money and that you need X number of years of experience and all of these things that like you don't. And so that's like why I'm trying to make this easier for people. Cause I want SLPs to be able to live their best lives. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, I truly believe that the best way to take control of your professional, personal and financial life is through private practice. And we're doing that every day in my program. And Danny is an awesome example of someone who who's been through the program and then has done it and jenna and everybody listen this is not just something happening in the slp field like this isn't this is happening across so many fields this idea of looking like we get out of school we've been doing this for a few years and then you know a lot of us we look at our friends or we look at our spouse and we're like is this it like is this my life for the next 30 freaking years and that's when people are just like, no, like that's what, you know, if you're not familiar with the fire movement, it's the financial independence retire early movement. Um, that's something that if, if you're, if you don't know about it, go look it up. It's awesome. That's something like the financial independence, uh, something my husband and I are pursuing. Oh, 
retire early planner. What is that? I don't know. I got it from Insta or Instagram. I got it from Amazon. Y'all know I like books. Okay. I'm I'm screenshotting. Hold on. Hold that okay. up. Screenshot. Okay. Not everybody. Screenshot. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yes, like this is not just an SLP thing. I think it's great that we're having this. We need to have these conversations in our SLP world, 100%. But know that like this is happening across across fields, across the country where people are realizing like, wow, like this, this can't be it. And you know what those people are doing? They're getting creative and a lot of them are starting businesses. But the really cool thing about us is it's actually not that crazy for us to start a business. Like we can start a business for like no money. Most people have to, like, most people who have our skills, they have to get a bunch of money together or invest. They have to learn all of these new skills, right? Like, if you want to, I don't know, like, do drop shipping on Amazon or something like that. Like, that. You that's all, like, that's new skills you have to learn. All those are the things you have to learn. Um, even outside of just learning business skills, which Jitta talks about those in her program. But, like, for us, like, you literally need you. Like my first session literally just showed up at somebody's house with my happy self and toys that I already had in my little bag. Right. I'm like, I was the secret sauce, boo. So <laughs> I was the secret sauce. And that is what is so, so cool is that like, that's where a lot of people are finding this freedom is starting businesses, starting businesses and women starting businesses. Oh, now you're getting me talking, Jenna. Let's go. Okay. Women starting businesses, like even like women SLPs, like we are just the best people. Like we really are the best people. Like we are the ones that should be hiring therapists and we're the ones that should be running clinics, not Joe Blow Schmo who doesn't give a crud about any of those kids. Like we're the ones that should be doing that, not some corporate head honcho over there who's never ever done therapy in their whole lives making policies for what you're supposed to do in your therapy room. And so I think us like starting, it's really taking our power back. That's something that uh, Tara Sumter talks a lot about when she's been on your podcast. And she's, she's been on your podcast and my podcast. If y'all don't know Tara, she's awesome. I think, is she Tara Dot Sumter? Is that where you would find her? I don't remember. Just I don't know. She's on Instagram. She's awesome. Yeah, she's on Instagram. It's Tara. It's like T E R A. She's great. But anyways, that's something that she's mentioned. I was like, yes, girl, yes, queen. Like taking it's taking our power back, and that's the really cool thing. And maybe you're looking at this and you're like, okay, great, but I don't want to be anyone's boss or whatever. And that's fine. You don't have to. But if you do end up being someone's boss, you can be the boss that you wish you had. And that is a really, that's just a really, really, really cool thing to be able to do. The opportunities are endless. Like that's one thing. I actually just recently posted a podcast. It's a podcast episode and a YouTube video about the pros and cons of private practice. Cause I got real honest because private practice ain't perfect. Okay. Yeah. That was one of the really big pros is like the opportunities are just so endless, like so endless. It really is whatever the heck you and what your brain cells rubbing together decide to do with it. Like literally. Yeah. Well, and think about it. Like so many other professions have, they've been doing private practice for a long time, right? Like think, think about psychologists, for example, like when I, when you meet someone who says that they're a psychologist, don't you kind of just assume that they have a private practice? 
Like I like that's just where my brain goes. I'm just like, oh, like you must have a private practice. And then, you know, sometimes they do. And sometimes they're like, oh no, I work for a hospital or I don't know, whatever. But it's like there are other professions that private practice is just a very natural path. And so that's one of the things that like is my dream for SLPs and OTs is that we have a path to private practice and we have as much people, as many people in private practice as there are, you know, psychologists in private practice where that's just like kind of the normal path for Mm -hmm. most of them. Right. So I'm also just trying to normalize this idea of private practice and being a business owner And, um, you know, a lot of people are catching on to this, right? Like ASHA doesn't take good statistics or keep good statistics about how many people who are SLPs in private practice, because they bleed it into how many people work in someone else's private practice. Um, but like the amount of people who have like, for example, have joined my program, like since COVID is unreal and every single month. And every time we do one of our big promos, We get like, you know, hundreds of people who join who are like, oh my gosh, like this is what I want to do. And for me, the reason why I'm doing this is because I know that there's so many people who are going without services or stuck on wait lists. And so more private practices means more services for kids and adults who need them. Right. So that's part of my mission. Yes. Having this like abundance mindset about services as well. I think I actually did a one-on-one with um, someone who was, she was looking, she was start, wanting to start a private practice. And one thing that she, the one fear that she had was that she had the specialty area that she had been pursuing and been using her own financial resources to pursue the specialty area and kind of almost grown the program at her previous job. And she was very scared to go out on her own with this idea, well, there's another girl at that practice who's trained in it. Like, what if there's, what if no one wants to come see me, especially like if I don't take insurance yet. And I just told her, I was like, first of all, you gotta, you gotta stop that thinking. That thinking is going to, first of all, just keep you in like the smallest of boxes. Um, And second of all, like an abundance mindset breeds more abundance. Now look, you can't compare what Sally Souflo decides to do down the road. Okay. You can't do that. Like there are practices that I'm not going to lie to you. Like there are people out there that that's how they operate is this very scarce mindset. I have practices in my area that are like, that are famous for that. Like it, th- that's them. That's, that's their deal. But you get to choose it again because it's yours. You get to choose how you're going to approach the situation. And I will tell you this. So many people need our services. Yes. So many people need our services, especially if you have a specialty Oh my gosh, so many people need our services. It's amazing. And if you're afraid of another, oh, there's a bigger place down the road or whatever, a lot of those places have wait lists. Or maybe you offer something where I market myself as like a boutique style private practice. Like that might be what someone wants. Like maybe someone, so you might be imitated, uh, imitated, Lord help me. I was writing notes earlier. <laughs> so and so imitated and responded to ST's bids for communication. Okay. Um, you might be intimidated by the big clinic and the therapy gym and things like that. And, but maybe there's kids out there who that's not for them. Maybe like a lot of kids do really well if they're being seen in the home or in a smaller environment or in their natural environment. Like there are options. There are 100% options. Um, and, Nobody else is you. 
Yeah. And a great example of this is uh, Katie Brown. So Katie is an adult focused private practitioner. Um, Neurospeech Solutions is her handle on Instagram. She lives in, outside of Buffalo, New York. And there's a huge adult neuro like hospital clinic like in her area. And, you know, she, her practice is booming because just like you said, the wait list is huge to get in there. And so she's got her own practice. She's just, she keeps hiring more and more people. She has her own brick and mortar space. She started, you know, just doing it out of her car, but she is like growing exponentially because there's such need. So whether you're a pediatric person or an adult person, you know that there are you are you've heard that there's a wait list at like the children's hospital or at the whatever clinic and there's you know six months to a year or whatever it is and like you gotta have you you kids need services adults need services right yes yeah like so many y'all like i will tell you this i'm and i'm in a very oversaturated area i have not had to spend a lick of time now granted i'm not i'm not trying to grow and build a caseload for a bunch of therapists. If I was doing that, I would be more targeted. Um, but like, and this, this is especially for those of you out there who really, who maybe want to just keep it small. I have not spent like a dime or any time on marketing in the last year. Love it. Like, like obviously I did in the beginning and you need to do that. Like you need to not, not you don't need to spend tons of money on marketing, but you know, I had some business cards and all that stuff and get your name out there. But once people like, once people know, that you are good at what you do and that you care. Honestly, that's what a lot of people want is that, they, is that you care. I have one parent tell me, Danny, I know that you love my child. Like, I know that you love my child. And I was like, yes, I love him because he's cute, best kid ever. He's awesome. But, <laughs> but like, that's what I had my mom tell me. Like, I know that you love my child. And that like, I think we forget like, we're working with human beings. Like these aren't numbers. And I think sometimes, sometimes when you get to these like huge practices that can sometimes get lost there, you know, um, we are working with human beings. Communication is connection, like connecting with people, with their parents, with the, if you're working with adults or with the kids. And that's really like, if you can provide that, that's when your name really gets out there. Like word of mouth, like I said, I, I did focus more on marketing in the beginning, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't do that at all anymore. Like I've literally just gotten word of mouth. That, that's all I get. Now, I think some people might get frustrated in the beginning because I think, I, and I've gotten that question before on Instagram, like, how do you get word of mouth? And I'm like, you don't get word of mouth. It, it comes to you, but you, okay. How you get word of mouth by being freaking awesome. Yeah. Well, that's what I say is like you earn, you earn yeah. word of mouth, earn of yes. word of mouth is earned, not a given just because you like opened your business. Like yes. you got to give people something to talk about. If you want people to talk about you, yes. you got to give them something to talk about. And it takes time. Like one example. So I worked with one baby and gave them a high quality service. And this was like, and then months later, like six or seven months later, I get a message from the mom saying, Hey, do you, do you, do you work with such and such and such? And I said, yes, yes, I do. And she said, Oh, great. My friend is looking for a speech therapist. So like a lot of times I want you to kind of think of it like you're planting seeds. So like if you plant seeds, like I just planted, I just planted some seeds out in my garden. I just planted some tomatoes, Lord help me. Um, but there's, there's supposed to be these like sweet, they're called sugar tomatoes. 
They're supposed to, they're like little small yellow ones and they're supposed to taste like candy. So we'll see what happens. But anyways, I, pl I just planted those seeds. Like I'm still like, I planted those seeds like two weeks ago. Like I've been watering them. I've been putting the stinky fertilizer crud on them. I still don't see anything yet, <laughs> but you have to keep watering it, keep fertilizing it. And then at some point after, after it just, it takes time. It takes time for that seed to sprout. It takes time not only for it to sprout, it takes time for it to like shoot up out of the dirt. And, but once it's there, you're like, oh, that's what this is. Like once you finally see that planter out, you're like, oh, that's what it is. But if I didn't keep watering it, and if I didn't keep fertilizing it, even though I didn't see anything, I would never, ever, ever get the plant. I would never get to taste my ugh, sweet sugar tomatoes because I'm really excited about those. Well, they sound delicious, but your your analogy is spot on, right? And like, you know, hopefully your sweet sugar tomatoes will, they'll come and they'll be awesome. There's a chance, right? That like something might go wrong and you don't get those, that fruit that you hoped for, right? That happens also sometimes. And I don't have any idea how tomatoes work. Those of you who garden, like, but you know, those, whatever those plants are that like you do it once and then they like go away and then they come back later, right? So that's the same thing that can happen like with like referrals at doctor's offices, right? Sometimes people say like, well, I, I sent them my flyers or I dropped off some donuts and like, I didn't get you know, any referrals. And it's like, well, sometimes it like, it's not just like that you do something once and then you get it right. Some, you got to kind of, you know, nurture that relationship, but like relationship marketing is another thing that's really a big deal. Like getting, you know, developing relationships with people who can become a top referral source for you. Then especially if you have some sort of a specialty, like you said, like if you can become known for something, could you talk a little bit about, you know, what you've done, like with Mayo, for example, mm -hmm. and like how you've kind of set yourself apart in that way a little bit? Yeah. So honestly, I got into biofunctional therapy when I was at my, uh, when I was at my last job through another, it was, it was another practitioner. She's actually the only physical therapist in the country that is certified in biofunctional therapy. Uh, she's, absolutely amazing uh but she was seeing one of my patients and i felt i just saw the improvements he was making and i was like why did no one teach us this in grad school this is the coolest thing ever but anyways uh, and there's not a lot of people in the area that do it really she she was really the only practice in there and there's still really not another practice that does it like there's not there's not many um or like there's like there's smaller practices um but anyways that my area is pretty oversaturated uh, I have within like 60 miles, there's like four, there's like five or six, I'm sorry, uh, graduate programs for speech. So Louisiana and Louisiana is, it's notoriously one of the lower paying states a lot, very likely because we have a lot of grad programs and they're trying to put another one in New Orleans. And I'm like, that is, I need that. Like I need a stinging hole in my head. Why are we, why, why we don't need any more, <laughs> but anyways, we have so many, um, and that honestly, all that was a very discouraging thing for me whenever I first started. And I, I had a lot of fear about that. I had a lot of fear about um, about kind of going up against a lot of very well established practices. And you know, unfortunately, in my area, there is kind of a reputation for like a scarcity mindset type of deal. Um, there's a lot. Of, I mean, it's just a lot of competition. You know, it is. It is what it is. Um, but really having a specialty helped me to stand out and gave people a reason, a reason to come to me. And honestly, it was really just those first that it was, it was those first, like, 
my practice started right when COVID started. <laughs> so uh, it was a little bit of an untraditional start, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was really just, it was really just setting myself apart and getting my specialty. So I have a specialty in my functional therapy and also dyslexia intervention. Those were all of my first, those were all my first kids. Those were all of my first kids were those specialty kids. All of them, all of them. And I would say, honestly, like, it was my, my first year at the end of my first year, I was like, like I had a really solid, a real solid groove, like a really, really solid groove. Like it's not, it, it didn't take me a year to get patients or anything like that. But like after that first year, that's when I like didn't have to do my marketing anymore because like your referral sources and my, my referral sources knew me already. And then other therapists knew me. And they knew my specialty because I had reached out to them. That's another great way to build relationships. Um, first of all, stop going into doctor's offices and going into conversations with people, trying to like trying to get something out of it. And like with that as your focus, people can smell that a mile away. There's nothing that stinks more than a broke salesman, right? Okay, it's, it's the same thing. Don't go into conversations with this idea of like, oh, what can you give me? Go into conversations with what can I provide for them? People glob onto that, y'all. Like, how often do people actually give a crap about what you have to say? Like, whenever, like, you know, actually listen to you. Like, that's so rare and fine. It's so rare and fine to find that. Um, so that was something else that I really focused on was I have my specialties, but I also educated others about my specialties, but not in a, oh, look at me way, but just a, like, talking about like so maybe we some kids we had in common. A lot of my referrals with early intervention come from other OTs and PTs because we I've talked to them about like preventing myofunctional disorders in the birth to three population. And you know, hey, like these are these are some, you know, these are some cool things to do. And you know what else? I ask them what they're working on. The first question that I ask is, hey, I introduce myself like when I when I get a new kid, I try to, you know, at least shoot him a text and introduce myself. And Hey, there's some of them that never respond to me, by the way. I mean, I ain't mad about it, but like, I'm just saying, like, sometimes people ain't gonna respond. Like, mm, Bill Bridge, get over it. But anyways, so I reach out to them and just be like, Hey, I want to introduce myself. Excited to work with you. How can I, what, what are things that I can do to help excellent, you know, to help the child meet, meet your goals? What are things I can do? And versus, Hey, here's the list of things that I do. <laughs> Here you go. Like, no, that is not a place to lead a conversation at all. At no. all. Um, well, it feels so unnatural to people too, right? That's when people are like, well, I don't want to be pushy. And it's like, well, you don't have to be pushy, right? Like I teach people in, in the start program to lead with education, which is just what you're talking about, right? Let me, you know, sh also share, you know, like what, how I help people, right? And then all of a sudden the people are like, oh my gosh, I have a cousin who could really, you know, benefit from that, right? And so- you know, you don't have to be salesy, right? And it's not that you're talking about yourself. You're talking about like the clients that you serve and like, you know, what gains that you've been able to, you know, help them make or whatever. And so that's, that's a big um, thing. I, you said something earlier that I wanted to touch on, which is that, you know, you started your, your practice at the beginning of COVID. And I remember, cause you've been on the podcast a couple of times is that you like you, you quit your job and then you started your private practice, right? Did, had, did you, can you remind me, did you have a couple of clients on the side before you quit or did you quit and then start? So I had a couple of clients on the side 
but I really kind of did them more. I didn't know anything about private practice. Um, I really kind of did them more as like tutoring because I saw them for like dyslexia intervention. So it was reading. So it was like private pay. Um, but I kind of like just thought, oh, I'll just tutoring. So I had those, I had, I had two kids that I was saying on the side. Um, and then because I was working at another local private practice, um, I just, it just wouldn't have been, I would have, I would have loved, I would have loved to take your suggestion and like start on the side, but just because this was another local small private practice, it just wouldn't have been, it just would have been like icky for me to do that. It was just easier to make a, make a clean break. And my last day at my old job was March 13th. And so they all, we all went to lunch after to wish me goodbye. And that's when I found out, that's when we all found out that the governor was closing the schools. And of course, that's when we thought like when they were gonna open back up April 30th, they were like, okay, this will only be a month long thing. Shits on us. (laughs) So yes, so like at my farewell dinner is when they close the schools or farewell lunch is when they close the schools. See, so that's so crazy, but I know that there's lots of people, you know, some people do the on the side thing, right? But there's other people who like, they, this has to work, right? Either they've quit their job or we've had people like, let's say they've been on like extended maternity leave or whatever. And they just, they don't have another, like, but they have to make this work. And so can you talk a little bit about the people who are more in that situation where it's like, no, I'm starting a practice that's going to be my primary income source like talk about the mentality behind that for people who might be in that situation. So first thing, um, I always say like, you want to enter that situation prepared. Um, my husband and I, like we did the math beforehand. Like I was in Jenna's course. Like I was like, it was, it was probably like a, like a six, it was like a six month thing. Like by the time I like saved, I got, I saved up, got Jenna's course and went through all them, went through them, went through the modules. That's how I am. I like, that's how I am. Like, I like to like learn everything, things like that. You don't have to be like that. Um, and my husband and I, like we crunched the numbers. So like for my particular situation, you know, I am married and we knew we had our six month emergency fund saved up. And so like, I, I looked like, okay, worst case scenario, even if like, if I quit my job and I have no clients, and he gets fired because nobody's heaters and ACs will, well, they're all, they're all not breaking anymore, which like that's ever going to happen. Uh, <laughs> we can live for six months and be just fine. I was like, that is like the worst case scenario. Um, not that you want to think it's not doom and gloom thing. It's just like that, that for me was comforting. Like, okay, worst case scenario, like, I got six months. Like I can do this. I can totally do this. Um, and sitting down and really doing the math. So I knew how much I was going to make per session whenever I went to private practice. So that's something else I calculated, like calculating how many sessions do I have to have per week to at least first break even and pay for my expenses. And that's another thing that I like that you advocate for Jenna is just starting with low expenses, um, as low as you possibly can. For me, I did end up having to get an office if I wanted to be a network with insurance, but I, I searched, I looked around and I found an office that was, it was one room. It was 100% of my price range. I needed to see, to pay for all my expenses. I'm trying to remember. I only needed to see like 10 kids in a month to pay for my, to pay for my expenses and break even. And I was like, okay, I can do that. 
Like I can definitely, like I can do that. Even if, even if it's not in the first month, within a couple months, I can definitely get that done. And then I calculated other numbers like, okay, how much, how many clients do I need to see to make the salary that I was making, right? Or for you single Pringles out there, how much do you need to make to cover your living expenses? This is bare bones. Like, you know, maybe, maybe we're pausing on retirement for a hot second. Um, bare bones, like to pay for your apartment or to pay for your mortgage, pay for your car, like whatever. And when you have those numbers and you have like this concrete thing to work towards, it's so much better. You know, it's really easy to fear what you don't know. Right. It's really easy to fear like, Oh my gosh, am I going to be able to pay my bills? I don't know. Can I pay my bills? Well, I don't know. Can you get a calculator out? You got one bill until you phone. I'm looking at one right now. Like, <laughs> so really just taking it, taking all these like what, what ifs down from the clouds and calculating your numbers. I know Jenna, the little, bo the bo little bonus training that I did that's included in the Start Your Private Practice program, that's something that I'll walk you through is like how to prepare to make that jump because it is like, it is, it can be scary. It totally can be scary. And yeah, like you are taking a risk. Like, it is like you're taking a risk. Like it is, it is what it is. But if you go into it with the right mindset, if you go into it with the right information, right? He with the most information usually wins. Uh, you can make that transition. First of all, much less anxiety provoking. Cause I'll know a lot of us SLPs, we tend to get a little anxious sometimes. That's our little personality type for many of us. Um, and then just making these like attainable goals for yourself. So, okay. Like once I hit those 10 clients, I was like, all right, mm, let's go. What do I need next? Okay. Uh, I want to make, you know, okay. Now I want to be bringing in 2000 a month on top of, on top of my, you know, I want, that's, that's what I want to be making. Okay. Awesome. How many kids do I need to see to get to there? Awesome. Okay. I'm going to be, you know, responding in Facebook groups. I'm going to be, going, you know, making calls, going to doctor's offices and don't be discouraged if it doesn't happen like right away. Like it, it's okay. Don't be discouraged if it doesn't happen like in five seconds. Um, but I think that's where just being prepared, being mentally prepared. And like I said, I knew I had six months. I knew I had six months. I was like, I can totally do this. I got this. And honestly, I kind of didn't even put failure as an option in my mind um, either. Like I really, I was just like, okay, I'm going to do it. Like I'm doing this like awesome. Great. Well, and you, had, you had done the math, right? You, you yeah, took yeah. like a calculated risk and you could always have gone back and gotten a job in a school. You could that, that was, always have done that. Jenna, you really took the words out of my mouth. Like that was in my head. I was like, I was like, if I need to go, if I need to go work in a school, I, like I tried, I won't, but I was like, I won't, I will never, I'll never regret trying, but I would definitely regret not trying. And I knew, I knew that I could not stay in the situation that I was in. I, that was another thing. Like, I was like, I would rather, I would rather take a chance and potentially fail than stay in the situation that I was in. Totally. And that, I think that's where people need to get to, right? The people who have been like thinking about private practice for a long time, right? It, the way that people take action is by getting to a point where they, where it's harder to stay stuck or to stay where they are than to try something new. Right. Mm -hmm. And we, all of us took a huge risk when we decided to go to grad school for this profession, right? Like that was a huge risk that we all took. Right. But 
like it was a calculated risk. You're like, okay, I think I'm interested in this. This is pretty interesting, right? Like I know I'm going to get paid about this amount, like as you know, a career and like, and there, whatever you took that risk. Right. But it's like, you can always go back and get another job if it doesn't work out for whatever reason. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's another reason to kind of potentially start small. And like, you know, I know that you did, you know, some like kind of tutoring work in the beginning, but like, just take a couple clients, like see what you think, right? Like, is there a chance that you might not like it? Sure. But there's also a chance that you might get really like bitten by the bug. And this could be the best thing that you've ever done for your career and for your life and for your finances. Right. And so before we wrap up, if is Danny, could you give like any like last words of wisdom to people who are you know thinking about private practice specifically for the financial aspect of it? Like people who are like, you know what, I've got student loans to pay. I've got, you know, I got to save up for my kid's wedding or college or, you know, or retirement, right? Like what would you tell those people who know that they have, you know, financial either obligations or dreams and how private practice can help them with that? Number one, don't feel bad for having financial motivations. That doesn't make you a bad therapist. Um, and number two, like crunch the numbers, always crunch the numbers. I know a lot of us as SLPs are not number people. And honestly, I was not a huge number person until I actually started doing it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Like I can calculate things and figure stuff out. So you need crunch some numbers. Just, I know Jenna, you have like your private client calculator. Um, like just see, just see what, just see what happens. Like see, like get some extra numbers, look at your monthly expenses and be like, all right, if I take on a couple clients and I make an extra $5,000 a year, what, like get really specific too after you crunch the numbers, like, all right, what are you going to do with an extra $5,000 a year? Don't go freaking I don't know, blow it on Cheetos or whatever. Like what, what is, what, what do you want to do with that extra $5,000? that's going to help you meet your financial goals. Like for me, I don't want to retire at 65. I'm not waiting that long. Okay. <laughs> Look like <laughs> I don't want to wait that long and you don't have to, you do not have to wait that long, but you need to have a plan in place and start taking steps to get you there. Now I'm not going to be able to retire in two years, but we've like taken, taken that time to sit down, crunch the numbers and think about how those numbers are going to be allocated to your goals and talk about your financial goals. Y'all like my husband and I, like we don't just like have this conversation about our financial goals and career goals once a year. Like we talk about it all the time. And you know why we talk about it all the time? Because we're excited about it. Because we're interested in it. I know a lot of times the reason we don't have these conversations is because it's out of fear or out of shame. One thing I talked about today on Instagram was like this shame of student loans and like wanting to just like, okay, I'm just not gonna talk about it. You know, getting past that and getting excited. And one thing that gets, one thing that can get you excited is really crunching the numbers. So maybe you take that extra $5,000 and you pay extra on down on your student loan debt. And maybe you do that for three or four years. And now you're out of debt. Now you're, you've paid off your student loan 10 years sooner. And like what you could do with that extra income, or maybe you save it up and you go on that Disney trip that you've always wanted to go to, like get like crunch your, don't feel bad 
crunch your numbers, and then decide what you're going to do with those numbers and get super, super specific. Don't just say, I want to go on vacation. When do you want to go on vacation? Where do you want to go on vacation? And who are you going to go on vacation with? Because a $500 vacation is very, very much not like a $5,000 vacation, okay? <laughs> and dream. Like, if you have a spouse or a partner, like, dream with them. Like, my husband and I have those conversations all the time. And our plans have changed. Like, there's things that we thought a year ago that we were going to do with extra income that now we've changed our mind. And that's fine. Like your plans change, life's change, but get excited. And that's what I really want you to do and feel about the financial side of private practice is get excited about it. Yes. Amen. A hundred percent. Danny, can you please share with everyone where they can find out more about you, where they can send you DMs, all that kind of stuff? Yes. I love getting DMs from people. There's nobody, like I'm the one responding in my DMs. I don't have someone else responding. You'll probably get a voice message from me because I'm too lazy to type. Um, but I'm super active on Instagram. You can find me at speech goods, like home goods, except speech goods. And then I have, if you go to my Instagram, I have my podcast and my YouTube channel on there. Um, I try to, we, we post an episode every week. One episode that we're going to be doing pretty soon. It's a video only episode. I'm going to take you uh, with me in a day of the life of my private practice. So that's an episode that's going to be coming soon. Um, but yeah, so talking, really just talking about money and mindset specifically for SLPs. It's just something I absolutely love it. So yeah, I'm cackling about that all the time on Instagram and, uh, and on the podcast on YouTube. So come hang out, shoot me a DM and we can talk about all of the things. It'll be fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on again. As y'all know, Danny is a, a frequent guest on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast because A, she's awesome, um, but she just has such gems, right? Such like amazing gems and tidbits and just get people, you know, fired up and excited. So again, thank you so much for being on, Danny. Thank you for having me, Jenna. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Bye. Don't you just love Danny? I love her so much that I keep inviting her back to be a guest on the podcast because of the amazing messages that she has to share with SLPs and OTs who want more financial security and aren't quite sure how to get it. There are three main ways to have more money. One is to earn more. For example, by seeing private clients. Another is to save more money. For example, budgeting. And three is to invest your money, for example, in retirement funds. Now, while Danny is an advocate for all of these, I tend to be the biggest fan of earning more money. The way society is, men are taught to earn more and women are taught to save and budget. To be honest, it's really hard to save and budget if you don't have a lot of money to begin with. So I'm a bigger advocate of helping us learn how to earn more and then invest your money so that it grows over time rather than spending a lot of time and energy budgeting, which can leave you feeling deprived and worried. I mentioned this in the episode, but SLPs and OTs tend to make good salaries in the schools and hospitals. But the problem is that salaries rarely go up and we're not in a type of field that gets raises or bonuses. So if you have more expenses, like childcare, upcoming wedding, student loans, or a mortgage, and inflation is going up, but you're not making more money, that's a problem. 
Seeing private clients is the best way for SLPs and OTs to earn more money either on the side of your job or full-time in your own practice. If you want to learn how to do this, just like Danny did, head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar and watch a free training that goes through the ins and outs of starting your own private practice. And we also talk about startup costs. As a free gift for watching, I will give you a private practice salary calculator so that you can estimate your earning potential. Again, just head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar, and you can watch the on-demand training today. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week with more tips and interviews to help you start, grow, and scale your successful private practice. Till then. I decided to invest in the Start Your Private Practice program because I honestly had no idea where to start. (laughs) And I just didn't really have the confidence or the know-how to be able to do that. So it was really nice to have a system that was all set up for me. I didn't have to reinvent the wheel or start from scratch. It was all there for me. And I was able to land a client within about the first week and a half of me going public with my private practice. So now I have 12 clients. It is such an invigorating and amazing experience. If you want help to start your speech therapy private practice, then head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist so that you will be notified as soon as we reopen the doors to the Start Your Private Practice system. Again, that's startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist. I cannot wait to help you start your private practice. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT private practice beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.